0: So I actually brought this stuff. Is that a metronome? It is. Let
1: me turn that off. There we go. Okay. Um, Go ahead and talk real quick. Oh, was that like GarageBand? Is that why I turned on? Uh, Logic, it on? Logic, yeah. Oh, is, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh,
0: I actually brought this stuff with to the family reunion because I thought you were going to be oh, there. Oh,
1: yeah. I wish I would have been. I was supposed to be, but... That's it's okay. You know, that thing canceled.
0: Yeah. So well, when you came up, I was like... um. Or when I was coming out and you, you texted me, I'm like, well, this is a great opportunity. So yeah, I wanted to come out and hang out, but also I'm like, I can totally interview him. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. We're recording.
1: Oh, we're going right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. As I'm flossing my teeth. Hey, I mean, you do you. <laughs> can you hear that? I can, yeah. You can hear that? What you oh, do that?
0: Hold on. I forgot. I forgot the most important part. Hold on.
1: <laughs> oh, the the root beer. Or I should say non-Midwestern root beer. Um, do we need a bottle opener? I don't know. I think it so. It kind of looks like it. Um, grab my keys. They're on the other side of this like pedestal next to the front door. They're like hanging. They should be hanging there. Got it. I think you can use part of that like the bike thing somehow.
0: Here, I'm going to let you figure that out. Okay. And then I'll copy you.
1: I think I've done this once. Is Every. that supposed to be a bottle opener?
0: I, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, hey, I mean it works. That's really cool.
1: Root beer. Is so, this, I re- this has alcohol in it. I'm just kidding. It doesn't.
0: <laughs> it's hard, root beer, than that's. So. so I think this was. I was hoping because there's a lot of like cherries and stuff that they grow oh, yeah. in that area. And I was hoping that this was like.
1: Had cherry flavor.
0: Made there. But then as I read the label today, it is Not. Um, the original, highly delicious red jammer, which I'll Google that, or maybe. Um, so I'm guessing that it was just. Uh, Made somewhere else and then labeled because then it says enjoy a tasty one in Glacier it, National Park. It once
1: does, and, and there's like no address on here. Yeah, like so. from like where it would be made,
0: which is fine. What's your uh, what's your Wi-Fi? Holy crap, there's a lot of Wi-Fis.
1: Guess off out of that list. Okay, hold on. So we got uh, Bad
0: Kitty, cable Wi-Fi, Catch Me Outside, <laughs> uh, Get Bent.
1: That's not me. <laughs> that's funny. I think that's funny.
0: Jose's crib.
1: Nope. That's, I moonlight as a Jose, but that's not mine.
0: Oh wait, uh, it all just changed. Uh, oh, I clicked on one. There was uh, mm, peace, peace, lily, Rosemaria. Maria.
1: I think I have internet right now. My internet. Valhalla been weird.
0: too. No, oh.
1: <laughs> that's funny though.
0: Well, you picked up the whole Viking persona kind of a little bit. Which okay, why did you do that? I'm curious. Because actually, like I started when I when it sunk in like two years ago yeah. that like our uh, our uh,
1: ancestors, ancestors yeah. came from there. I'm like,
0: that's super cool. I'm going to identify as that.
1: I, I mean, okay. So it sort of started like when I was in drum corps, um, when I was teaching drum corps in 2005 and 2006, my colleagues that were also teaching the other instructors, they just called it, started calling me Viking. Nice. Cause I had longer hair then. Right. I don't know if you remember that. A little, that was yeah, when you were yeah. like, like 10. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah, that. I had long, like bleached blonde hair. It was like surfer hair, but like, you, you know,
0: d- did you used to wear a puka shell net- necklace? No. Well, I feel like I actually, saw you with a puka shell at one point.
1: When I was in high school, graduate of 2001, super Shout long out. ago, 20-year um, anniversary this year, actually, um, but uh, I think I did when I was, like, a junior. It wasn't, like, the really thick shell. It was, like, it pretty, was pretty minimal. It was still a shell necklace, though. I mean, I don't know if there were actually shells. I think it was, like, you know, uh, turquoise sort of, like, rocks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the same vibe yeah, okay there's there's
1: literally like 50
0: wi-fi's here you just starts with to a j me. starts with a j okay so it's but it's not jose um <laughs> <laughs> there's one called it hurts when ip but <laughs> ip is just ip so it's like an ip right. nerd joke it, it's a pun okay um people here are so much more creative the most creative they get in my neck of the woods is
1: just like FBI security van and that's just an old joke. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's funny, but yeah. I like get bent. I think that's hilarious. That is funny. There's uh Is there that many? I can't Jurassic Park Jurassic Park rules. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, is it the two point four gigahertz or five gigahertz? Either. Okay. Well five is faster, right? Um, What's your password? I'll mute it out. <laughs> okay. I actually I think it's let's try a couple of different ones. It's- That was my first password when I was at IU. Wow. Did that work? Uh, it's
0: connecting. It hasn't told me no yet. <laughs> uh, no, that did not work.
1: Excuse me. You can keep that in. Okay, great. It doesn't matter. I don't care. No, I definitely will. Um, <laughs> okay, so another password. <clears throat> I think
0: that should be it. Shout out to the Madison Scouts. Yep,
1: there we go. Yeah. Okay, so
0: now I can Google this red Beer. Uh Shrink in this window. It's good root beer. Here, wait. Dink it real quick. And sink it? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Rhett and Link. <laughs> the influence. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what is this? This is Red Jammer Red Beer. Let's see.
1: It's from the Orca Beverage Company. But it doesn't have an address on here.
0: Okay, so it is connected to... So on the label, it's the the Red Bus, which is the Red Bus Tours, which is a Glacier National Park thing. Okay. And when I typed this in, that was the first thing that came up. And there's nothing about root
1: bear. Um, here, let me let me help you do this Google search. Gear
0: jamming. Um, I did spell beer bear, though. You can tell. I. Root bear. I also, I also spelled root. R-U-I-T. Rit. Rit. Rit beer. Um, okay, Red Gemma Rit Beer. Here we go. Um,
1: Washington. Mm, okay. Orca Beverage Incorporated. Um, uh, but that's not... I mean, you have a tiny sliver of Idaho in between Montana and Washington, so that's not bad.
0: That's true. It's it's not. It's really close. So this was a... There's a website called GourmetRitBeer.com that did a review of it.
1: Wow! Uh, good reviews.
0: Then there's another one.
1: Oh, but it's way out in Seattle, so it's not even close to Montana. But that's okay.
0: It's from not home. That's what counts. <laughs> so I always have. I mean, I don't obviously get a hang. Oh, that is interesting. It's very light. Yeah, it's good.
1: Um, what's your favorite rip beer you've ever had? Uh, Boylan's. I've never heard of it. It's
0: uh, where is Boylan's from again? Um, they Are do you? a bunch of different kinds of gourmet sodas. Gourmet sodas Gourmere works too It's like Boromir from Lord of the Rings But (laughs) gourmet for sure We were talking about Lord of the Rings earlier We were Because yeah I used the uh, toilet at the campsite And it sounded like Gimli (laughs) blowing the horn at Helm's Deep Yeah You just shared that with everybody I did I've shared more embarrassing things Okay I'm learning how to like dial this podcast Where it's like Where I'm authentic And sharing personal things i would share that with you yeah, of course but then you like, want people to
1: know who you are right but then yeah. this
0: is also the internet where people are gonna think things of me so well let them think it let them think it <laughs> um um but yeah boylands boylands is really good it's it's sweet um just very rip beer are you Big like fan. a root beer connoisseur no this started so i started doing a um alcohol hiatus of um when did i start i think back in march or may i'm like I'm all about exercising discipline and kind of proving to myself. See, my
1: discipline isn't to take six months off or a year from drinking. It's just to not drink during the week. Hey, okay, man, <laughs> whatever, whatever. But I'll probably have a drink after this uh, <laughs> podcast. So Your that's heart great. rate is just elevated. You're very but good. I've got like Truly in there. So it's like zero sugar, low carbs, you know. Of
0: course, I was introduced to Truly by friends on this hiatus. Right. It's healthy alcohol. See, that's what I hear. <laughs> but it's also sparkling water. Yeah. which I hate. <laughs> oh, you don't like sparkling water? If I'm going to drink water, it's just going to be water. And if it's going to oh. have flavor, like I remember... You want sugar and flavor. Yeah, or at okay. least fake
1: sugar. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Because uh, I remember when I started trying to jump on the LaCroix train, uh, I bought like a 12-pack of like the mango one. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to go for it. And I cracked one open. I'm like, this tastes like garbage. But then I just kept drinking them, and I reached a point like three cans in where I'm like... Oh, I don't mind drinking this. And that's the best it got. It wasn't like, I <laughs> like this. It's like, I don't mind drinking. Was this. it super cold though? Because I feel no, like. Yeah, they're... I refrigerated them.
1: Okay. I mean, I feel like they're the best for, in my opinion. I don't buy LaCroix because I'm cheap and I buy the off brand stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, actually, I think LaCroix tastes better. I don't feel like it's as fizzy. It's fizzy enough. Yeah. Um, but I think it gives me like drinking carbonated water, like cold carbonated water, gives mm-hmm. me the sort of like fix of either having a soda. Or a beer, but it's like refreshing at the same time. And you don't get bloated. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't, I can eat the calories rather than drink them. You know what I mean?
0: Drinking calories Mm. is gross. it I mean, like I said, I'm not going to get a hangover from this, but I will wake up tomorrow bloated and kind of. From this root beer? Slightly hating myself. Really? Just, yeah, because I don't drink
1: um, like sugared sodas. Like it's all diet. Yeah, I don't either. We were just talking about that earlier. This is probably the first like full sugar soda I've had in like. Year yeah. longer, maybe so. I mean, you can drink it all, you cannot. I won't be offended. So, it's a good thing we're not sleeping in the same room tonight because we are know, sharing a bathroom, though. That's true. I'll just make sure the door is closed.
0: I should be okay. I'll just have to. It's <laughs> this is my least favorite part about camping. Um, and on the trip out here, I run into this is like I get all bundled up in you know my sleeping bag yeah. in my tent or in my car, and you're like, oh no, and then I have to pee, yeah, and then even. If I don't have to pee when I first go to bed, I'll wake up at like two or three in the morning, and like so at the every fam- night it, when I
1: camp. Yeah, wow,
0: it's horrible. Like when I was uh, out at, I slept in my hammock at the family reunion this oh, year. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, mom told me that.
0: And temperature-wise, it was fine. I have a good sleeping bag. Yeah, it was pretty comfortable. But I did. I woke up and struggling to get out of a hammock at <laughs> two in the morning when you're half asleep. <laughs> By the time you get back, you're like, I am wide awake. Yeah, exactly. It's my my least favorite part of camping.
1: Yeah, it's a chore getting whether you're in a hammock camping or like in a tent camping. It's a chore getting out of the tent. Yep. Um, it's not an easy thing, and it's gonna wake you up. And I did I did try a pee bottle on this trip. Oh. Um, not a fan. <laughs> no, I mean I did that. I did that in drum corps. Yeah. It was it was very popular in drum corps on the buses, and I think I did it once the entire like six years. Yeah eight years that I was in drum corps.
0: It was on my bucket list to try it on a road trip and I tried it and not a fan. I remember watching Bear Grylls once, his survival show and uh, he was like in Antarctica or whatever and he's like in his igloo and he's like always bring a pee bottle because I have a friend who is camping out in the Arctic and she had to pee in the middle of the night so she got up out of her tent and then she fell (laughs) off a cliff. So always bring a pee bottle so you don't have to leave at the night. I mean, that's fair. And I mean, it makes sense if you're in a hazardous area. Like, Being out west here in kind of the boonies, I'm like, I don't want to get jumped by a bear or something while I'm (sighs) using the bathroom in the middle of the night. But uh, It's true.
1: So wait, you had it in your tent?
0: This was the night I slept in my car
1: ah okay Which i wasn't was even worse i wasn't sure if you were using it like while you were driving no no okay. i didn't i haven't done that i haven't ever felt the need to do that no i mean you can just easily just pull over mm-hmm. you know and use the restroom
0: while driving through eastern montana though where there's like nothing and yeah. nobody i was there was a, a train track next to the road that i was on and uh-huh. uh there was just a train parked there and i'm like i've always wanted to run on top of a train so i like pulled over and i had to go to the bathroom so i just peed next to the train and then i got on top of the train really yeah and then i brought my film camera up and set up on a tripod and took a picture up there that's pretty cool yeah i mean that's like the whole vibe of this trip is i just i'm gonna do whatever i kind of want to do sure hopefully i don't get caught if it's something like it's that i could
1: get in trouble for trip of self-discovery sure just kidding
0: kind of i mean and then it's also kind of just a detox yeah for sure and i've just been really surprised by how much i'm enjoying like You're not going to want to go back home. Not really. It's been, so it's been weird. So for each stop, there's like part of me that wants to stay there longer, Mm -hmm. but then there's also like this part of me that's like, oh, I want to keep going and keep like explore the next place. Do you have like a hard date of when you need to be home? It's not a hard date. I've told everybody like I'm shooting for the 19th or 20th, but I'm also limited by my budget and driving.
1: Well, it's pretty cheap what you're doing, right?
0: Yeah. I'm just staying at campgrounds. And like the one I stayed at in Montana outside of Glacier, it was free. And you could stay up to 16 nights.
1: Yeah, right. Most of these places, you can stay for like two weeks.
0: Right. So I don't know. If I find some place and I'm like, you know what? I want to stay for a bit. I probably will. I don't have anything pressing. But yeah. Um, It's good to be here in Salt Lake City, though. Well, it's it's good to have you. I Honestly, I don't know if I would be as excited on this trip if I didn't have this to look forward to. (laughs) Because I was kind of like in the back of my mind on each of these stops, I'm working my way back to civilization where I get to hang out with somebody I like.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so. fair. Um, but at the same time, when you like sort of go on a solo trip, what I've found, cause I drive a lot, whether it's to Minnesota or New York, which is where my wife, Andrea lives mm-hmm. for those listeners who are listening to this. Shout I mean, out to home. Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's a three day drive getting to New York, but it's like, wait from Utah from here. Yeah. It's only three days? Well, three 12 hour days. Yeah. It's long days. Right. I mean, like I said earlier, when I'm driving somewhere, like a road trip, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to just get from point A to point B, like as efficiently as possible. I'm not stopping at trains and getting on top of them and taking pictures. (laughs) Right. I think that's a beautiful thing. And like sometimes I'll pass something, I'm like, It'd be really cool to stop and see that. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, time's ticking. Right. I need to get to the campsite or wherever I'm getting at the end of the day or whatever. You is, know? It, is it actually cheaper to drive that than fly? Um, well, with gas prices going up how they have been, it's probably cheaper to fly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, if I'm camping especially... Excuse me. Nice. If I'm camping, um, I... Think that it's cheaper doing that than staying in a hotel. It depends on what time of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't camp in the middle of the winter. Yeah. Um, like I'm planning on driving to Minnesota for Christmas. Right. Um, and uh, that actually
0: just, that sounds really gnarly to drive through these western states.
1: It's not it's, great
0: because like this they have like those massive fences up outside yes. the side of the road for snow drifts.
1: Every time I do it, I'm like, I'm not doing this again. Like yeah. during the winter, yeah. and I've done it. I can't believe you've even done it in the winter. That. Yeah, it's terrible. One year. I think it was the Christmas right before COVID hit it. So it was like Christmas of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened? What did we do? I think oh, we just had Christmas in Minnesota. So like everybody was there and um, there was this like ice storm, kind of like big snowstorm that was hitting Minneapolis and kind of Iowa. Yeah. And the Midwest doesn't get a lot of ice storms. That's kind of a southern thing, you know. Yeah, it's not um, yeah. But ice sucks, obviously. <laughs> Um, and so like we stayed, we stayed, Andrea and I stayed at a friend's house in Minneapolis the night before she was flying out the next morning and I was just going to leave, like get on the road and drive back to Utah. And, um, it was super icy in Minneapolis. It took us like an hour to go seven miles to get her Jeez. to the airport. It was crazy. But then once I got out of the Twin Cities, there was no ice. and It was kind of like milder temperatures huh. driving South through Iowa, getting yeah. down to I-80 to go through Nebraska. And, um, I knew that there was more of the storm, especially like once you got to Nebraska, and I was like, oh, it looks like it's just rain, so it's gonna be fine. It turns out it wasn't just rain, (laughs) and it was crazy snow, like heavy, wet snow. And um, because I sort of got a later start in the day, um, I was trying to get all the way through Nebraska, and it's a long, boring ass state. Yes, you know, it is. There's nothing All interesting. All flat there. corn. Yeah, it's beautiful for a couple moments during the summer because it's green and blooming and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, it's well, it is almost better than like the east
0: part of Wyoming because that's just like it's desert basically. Yes, it's gross. So at least there's life in Nebraska. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, I'll I'll take Nebraska over Wyoming for sure. Um, but anyway, so I got I was it was probably like 7 p.m. and it was dark because it was winter, um, and the snow was like just coming down like crazy and I couldn't even see the road. There was like basically, there was other cars driving and like semis obviously. And like we were all just like in a single file line going like 30 miles per hour. (laughs) And, um, I always say the, the town wrong. It's, I say Kearney or I think that I I don't know how you say it's Kearney, Nebraska. It's in the middle of the state, but, uh, they had a bunch of hotels there, and I just like pulled off because I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, right. um, I can't drive in this because it felt super unsafe. Um, and I was in a rental car also, so I stayed in the hotel that night. And the storm sort of passed through the night, and then the next morning, like I had to shovel out my car. I didn't have a shovel. The hotel I was staying at had a shovel up up by like the front door for the hotel, and I was just like, you know what? F it. I'm just gonna use this <laughs> shovel. Nobody's using it for anything. How much, like,
0: how, much, how many inches?
1: Oh, it snowed like a good foot. Jeez. Um, and, and it's that heavy, wet stuff. It was heavy, wet stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got the car sort of like shoveled out, and it wasn't a four wheel drive car. And I was yeah. just like, I need to get on the road for whatever reason. I don't think I needed to. I was just like, I need to get back to Salt Lake. But I don't, <laughs> I think. I probably had rehearsal in a couple days, but it wasn't, like, the next day. You right. know what I mean? Like, I had a cushion where I could have probably just, like, been a little safer about it. Yeah, but you just have that that itch. I guess so. It's Andrea would call it stupid, <laughs> and I would probably agree with her, but you just get stuck on it. So um, I shoveled it out, and then I got on the freeway, um, and I went 90 miles for, like, like, at 25 miles per hour. Oh, my gosh. And it took, like, three and a half hours to go that far. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And then once I got to this, like, specific county line in Nebraska, it was just clean and sunny, like like nothing had happened. But Nebraska is a state where they do get snow, but they're not set up to like up in the midwest like in mm-hmm. michigan and minnesota and wisconsin and stuff like they yeah. know how to deal with it you know yeah um
0: well i feel like they have just a lot of <laughs> extreme weather in that neck of the woods ex- exactly summer
1: it's tornadoes yeah winter it's blizzards they'll just like shut down the, the interstate which yeah. i'm surprised that night they hadn't shut it down because mm-hmm. i thought it was really terrible like yeah. i couldn't see the road yeah um had it not been the cars or semis in front of me like leaving two tracks uh-huh. i wouldn't have known That's where to wild. go because it was just like White, and then obviously at night when you're driving in snow, it looks like you're going like warp speed. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) Um, So it's like hypnotizing. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't recommend driving there. And then every time that I drive through Wyoming, whether it's winter or summer or wherever, um, it's always so windy. And I always feel like it's a headwind. And I'm Uh driving right into it, and then my gas mileage. In my car, it's like a Mazda. When it's on the highway, it's like 32 miles per gallon. Uh But when I'm driving across Wyoming, it's like... Twenty, if I'm that lucky, sucks. It's terrible.
0: Um, it's remi- th- Well, this this story reminds me of uh, when Graham and I were coming back from uh, from visiting out here four years ago. Because we were driving, and we're like, okay, we're going to do this in like two legs. Yeah, and we're kind of hitting the Nebraska area, and uh, this is in the middle of the summer, right? And we're just like, you know what? We could do. We could drive all the way to Chicago tonight, <laughs> stay in a hotel, hang out in Chicago for the morning, and then go home. And we're That's like, a yeah, long drive. Let's do it. And we were like, amped up. We were feeling it. But then, like an hour or two later, we hit this uh, like line of thunderstorms, oh, yeah. and it's at night, so it's dark out. Oh, and uh, you know we're in Tornado Alley, and uh. we're like, it's pretty gnarly. There's tons of lightning, and you don't know. So like, there's a flash of lightning. And you're like, was that a funnel cloud? And oh we yeah. just don't know. You're driving, so like tornado yeah. sirens aren't a thing while no, you're yeah, driving. Exactly. So, you yeah Exactly. Your mind playing
1: but, trick on, tricks on you and everything. Exactly. Yeah, crazy. So we like went a little ways. We went like town, stopped there,
0: tried to wait out the storm because we were behind the storm and it was also moving east. Right. And eventually, we just like stopped in a town and <sighs> stayed in the last hotel room because in, this was uh, like two days before that eclipse happened, that big oh, eclipse. And this, this yeah. town was right in the path of the eclipse. So, a ton of people had come there for the eclipse. And there was actually
1: a hotel room available. Mm-hmm, there was one, and wow. they gave us a deal on it. It was like the out.
0: nicest room, and Graham paid for it. It was great. But there was also a Bigfoot convention going on there. At really? The t- yeah. And I was like, if Graham and I weren't on a tight schedule and almost at each other's throats at the time. <laughs> I probably would have been like, "Hey, can we stay?"
1: Yeah, right. Cuz I would have been pretty cool. I've always been interested about Bigfoot. Did, did you get to
0: see the eclipse? Uh, yeah, but we were at home. Oh, okay. Uh, I
1: I can't remember would did it just go like across the United States?
0: I think it was I think the path was like southwest and then kind of went up to
1: northeast, oh, I think. Okay. So we
0: caught part of it, but it was just a partial eclipse. Okay. <laughs> it was funny. We were uh, I was at my parents' house at the time. Yeah, I hadn't moved out yet, uh-huh. um, and I we didn't have the fancy glasses, Yeah. so I just grabbed like four pairs of sunglasses and stacked them on top of each other. Did and it I work? Was, yeah, and I was doing that in the front yard, and then my dad had a friend over, and they were in the back, and my dad had taken... So you know um, when you go to the store and you buy like deli meat? Yeah. How it's like a clear plastic Tupperware with like a red... Yeah, lid yeah, but yeah. the red lid's kind of transparent uh-huh my dad had a stack of like those tupperware lids really because it, it, it worked kind wow. of wow it was like so i was doing it with sunglasses and i was getting it really good in the front yard and i walked around back i'm like oh yeah i was doing it with this and he was standing there with this stack of tupperware lids <laughs> and i'm like no do this And he's like oh yeah this is much better
1: but oh that's kind of ingenious though i mean i would have never thought of that us warrens are uh
0: i like to think we're in,
1: in industrious industrious sure. yeah Absolutely. So, uh,
0: you're out here in Salt Lake City. Uh-huh. You're the um, first chair trumpet on the Utah principal. City. Principal. Yeah, that's what it's called. So, but yeah, what first is, chair. What, that's is, what it is? What do I move this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, what does that mean for your average layman who doesn't know anything about orchestra and stuff?
1: Um. Well, let's see here. Well, principal trumpet. So, there's more often than not in an orchestra, in a professional orchestra, there's four trumpets on like. On the roster, okay, like employed by the orchestra. Um, so there's the principal trumpet. So you're like, I'm the quote unquote like section leader. Gotcha. If you remember, harken back to your like high school days for stuff. Um,
0: you have to remember I was homeschooled,
1: right? So <laughs> section wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, right. It was you and Keaton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's a th- that's a thing. So I was basically I'm first chair, and then there's a second trumpet, and then the second trumpet basically just plays second trumpet okay um and then there's the associate principal who's the third trumpet but like um uh if i don't play first on a piece like on a program he'll play first on that piece and it's usually like a concerto or an overture or something like a not as big of a piece okay um and then there's a fourth slash utility trumpeter um so that's the four positions um so on a on a given uh, like concert or whatever,
0: it mm-hmm. is like are all four of you playing at the same time, or is it just one of you at a time? Or um,
1: it's always at l- well, usually it's at least like I say by and large like two or three of us okay. playing together on a piece. Um, but some pieces have four trumpets. There's a couple like that Mahler symphony that I was talking about earlier to you mm-hmm. that has um, six trumpets on stage, and then there's also like six off stage. So, like, it's a lot of extras, you know what I mean? So, we would just just hire substitutes for those extra positions. But, um, yeah, so, like, as principal trumpet, um, you know, aside from, like, being the sort of, like, leader of the trumpet section, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, like, lead with my sound and, like, they just kind of follow in terms of, like, how I'm laying down the style or how I'm articulating something, the volume that I'm playing, you know, if the note is long or where i'm breathing like they listen to me and follow what i'm doing for that interesting um and,
0: and you're using uh sheet music right yeah like so you're-
1: yeah so like all the stuff that we play in professional orchestras we play what's called like uh, it's like categorized as like art music okay so it's like you know it could have been composed last week but by and large most of the stuff we can we play is like by dead white guys <laughs> uh, it's not super diverse sadly um Uh, they're sort of working on that now, but like, uh, you know, there's composers from like when Mozart was around, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's an African American English composer who is really fantastic. You know,
0: Um, that's true. I've never like, I mean, granted, I'm not like ingrained into the world of classical music, but, um, I've never like heard of like, uh, like, a anybody who wasn't white. Sure. Like conduct, not conducting, but, uh, writing composer, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's more diverse now with, like, uh, composers who are alive now, mm-hmm. but um, I think there's still a lot of work to be done with that. Right. But um, that's a completely different conversation. <laughs> but anyway, so, like, we uh, um, we generally play, like, you know, Beethoven, Brahms, Mozart, Haydn, mm-hmm. um, Schubert, Schumann, um, Strauss, Shostakovich, eh, whatever. Right. Like, all these great composers who are not alive anymore – um, and, uh, I don't remember what your question was.
0: Uh, I don't know either, but I was, <laughs> I was glad
1: you went into that. Cause there's most of
0: the stuff you talk about when it comes to, um, this world of composing and, uh, orchestras and stuff is, uh-huh. I don't understand a lot of it, sure. but I really, it's weird. So like obviously being homeschooled, coming from a conservative household, my parents were always like very limiting to what I took in. So I yeah. like... Grew up on like the Andy Griffith Show and like all these like clean sure. shows and stuff, yeah. and then also like, you know, my parents or my mom uh, would have me like listen to some classical music and stuff and mm-hmm. like old musicals or whatever. Sure. And, uh, so I think that's kind you mean of. You you not have
1: you listen to Rent. No. Just kidding. <laughs> you should listen to that on your drive back. It's great music. Okay, I'll have to. It's good story. To Is that. it a musical? Yeah. Okay. You cool. never heard of it.
0: I think I've heard of it. Okay,
1: it's really good. Okay. Came out when I was in high school. It's old, but it's really good.
0: Okay, I'll listen to it. Um. So I think that was like how I got introduced to classical music and uh-huh. I, I didn't like it at the time.
1: So then I mean I, I didn't either when I was a kid. True. So. I don't know if any of us did. I mean, I shouldn't say that I didn't like it. I liked Mozart because have you ever seen the movie The Amadeus? No. Okay, you need to watch that also. It's from okay. like nineteen eighty four at one best picture. It's really good. Um, but it's about it's about Mozart, his life sort of. Okay. It's fictionalized and you know, romanticized and all that stuff, but it's great. Right. Um, but that came out when I was a kid and I remember dad bought the soundtrack on LP. Um, that's amazing. And then he, he, I, I don't even know what you would say. He would like, he ripped it to, uh, cassette tapes. Um, you, wait, your dad did this? Yeah. So we could listen to it in the car, our old um, when we would like drive up to grandma's or something uh-huh. up to Crookston. Yeah. Um, so I listened to a lot of Mozart when I was a kid because of that. Like who would have thought that like. You know, this dairy farmer. I grew up on a dairy farm, so my dad's a dairy farmer. This sort of ornery. Uh,
0: <laughs> stubborn. He's not going to listen to this. He's a stubborn
1: nah. and angry guy. I love him. <laughs> but, like, you know, he can be a little bit uh, bullheaded. Um, but anyway, who would have imagined that a dairy farmer from the middle of Minnesota would have, like, been listening to Mozart in the car? You know That's what I mean? really interesting. So I remember really liking that. Um, like, right off the bat, you liked it. Yeah, yeah. I think I did. How old roughly were you? Um, six, five. Well, I guess far six? back as you can remember. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I remember listening to that. Obviously, I remember listening to a lot of stuff that mom and dad would like. Cindy Lopper. Okay. like she was big when I was a kid. <laughs> they had an LP of her. Elton John. Elton. They they saw him Classic. in concert several times. Yep. Um, uh, what other what other stuff? Oh, we would listen to um. Like the University of Minnesota marching band, just all kinds of stuff. Huey Lewis, like it—it it was sort of like the spectrum of different type of types of music, you mm-hmm. know. And so it wasn't just Mozart, but obviously, like I was keen on instrumental music. Right, I think so I really took a liking to it.
0: What did you? What was the first instrument that you played? Uh, I'm gonna guess piano. Uh, it was piano. Right, I yeah. mean. Did you enjoy that? Because everybody, so me and all my friends, like, grew up being forced to take piano lessons. Yeah. And it's always forced to. Like, it was never we wanted to. Did you actually, like, enjoy it?
1: Yeah. I can't really remember right when I started. I think I was excited because Tara, my sister, she started, she's three years older than I am. So she started, um, I don't remember how old she was when she started. We were probably the same age. Um, We we both, I think, started in third grade. Um, But... uh, I saw her doing that for three years before I was able to, and I was like, I want to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I was, I enjoyed seeing her progress and, like, listening to the music that she got to play. Yeah. And obviously, like, when you're at that age, it's, like, super rudimentary and just, like, you know, Three Blind Mice or, like, Hawkins Buns or whatever. Um, But uh, now that I just say both of those tunes, I think that's the same tune. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I I remember when I was... Oh, shoot when i when i
0: was little and i would come up to visit you guys yeah uh, she would always be playing the piano and i'd go up behind her and like put my hands over her eyes and she'd keep playing I'd, yeah i thought it was amusing
1: yeah i but, mean so like i liked playing piano when i was growing up and like i mean i took piano lessons for 10 years when i was a kid all the way through high school yeah. and um my my piano teacher miss gersten Korn, um mm-hmm. it's a very norwegian name um as their ancestors Norwegian, were Scandinavian, something. Yeah. Um, but she was amazing. She was she was a really great piano player herself and a really good teacher. Um and she sort of like uh I guess like sort of lit the fire in me to uh, just sort of appreciate music. You know, she taught me basic music theory and ear training, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And um so that was great. And then, you know, so piano, I did that for three years uh third, fourth two years and then I started playing trumpet in fifth grade. Gotcha. Um but I wanted to play flute, but then my dad, like I said, hearkening back to him being a dairy farmer, uh he didn't want me to play flute because I was a boy. Um and I was actually good at the flute because, you know, uh you know like when you take a bottle.
2: Yeah. It's all it's all about the angle.
1: Yeah, that's that's how you make a sound on a flute. Right. It's the same same concept right and i've always been able to do that and like i remember when the middle school band director came around our rooms in fourth grade he like was letting us try instruments Uh in front of the class it was like individually like you come up and it was just like just
0: try for like the first time in front of everybody yeah and like
1: i blew into it and i was like he was holding onto the flute and then he played like he played a song with the keys while i was blowing into the flute and i was like oh my god this is amazing i need to play this um uh, but then dad didn't want me to and it turns out that my grandma when i was growing up i think before even i started playing piano she had this this is on my dad's side not Mm -hmm. our grandma um, she had a cornet in her house, and like we would just like fart around on it. Yeah. When, not literally fart around, <laughs> on it, but like you know. Um, I mean, it's possible. Maybe it probably happened, but like you know, we we would just like horse around on it and like play and probably be super annoying as kids. But yeah. like I was always able to make a noise on that, and then also. Being on a dairy farm, there was sort of above the milking parlor, there was kind of this utility room with like a bunch of old rubber hoses in it. Mm -hmm. And me and one of my cousins, we would go up there and just like play up there like one does when you're a kid. Yeah. And I discovered then that if you take one of the rubber hoses and just like buzz into it, Mm -hmm. it makes like a sound, like a horn sound. You know what I mean? I didn't know what I was doing at that point. Because like like,
0: playing a trumpet, like the... Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. You're buzzing your
1: lips into this like piece of metal, but it's like the same idea of this like rubber hose right. and so i think my dad was just like he was like well you've you know i think i have access. I, I know somebody that's like selling a trumpet like a student trumpet so um why don't we get that and he's like you you can make a sound on it so let's just do that and i was like okay <laughs> um you know so that was there's that and then you were you like did uh um
0: when did you start like doing marching band stuff was that in high school
1: yeah. Well it was in middle school. So my middle school and high school was just parade like a parade band. So right. it was just during parades. A lot some a lot of high schools do field shows mm-hmm. like during halftime or like actual competitions and right. my high school didn't do that. So Oh interesting. Um so in middle school we had a summer parade band and I loved it. I thought it was the best thing ever. I was a huge band dork. Um and then um when I was in middle school, the mm-hmm. The then um, high school band director Leon Sieve, he started like there there wasn't a marching band for the high school. There had been years ago before that, but like it had gone defunct or been defunded or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he started up again. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever witnessed in my life." You know what I mean? So like that sort of lit the fire on me. So then I those two summers, I I did. Well, I did it all the way through middle school, and then in the first two summers of high school, after my eighth and ninth grade years, I was in the high school marching band, uh-huh. um, and that's sort of when I discovered drum corps. Also, so um, what's what's the
0: difference between what is drum corps exactly?
1: Drum corps is all brass, so there's no woodwinds. Okay, it's just brass and percussion and color guard.
0: I've, I remember. I feel like we and it's came, on a football field. I feel like I, I i I don't know when I saw you. I think I I may have seen you perform when you were in the Madison Scouts. Yeah. When I'm sure it was. was.
1: Was that during college? Yeah. So that was. Well, you guys were living in Middleton. You remember that house? I think so. yeah, yeah, maybe. That uh, was
0: in Wisconsin, right?
1: Yeah, that that would have been the summer of 2000. How okay. old were you? I was three. Four. Three? Okay. <laughs> I probably didn't remember it. I mean, I was I was about to be a senior in high school then. So in 2000, I remember because I stayed with you guys then, mm-hmm. um, while well, we had like. Everyday rehearsal before we went on tour, right? Um, so I'm sure you guys came to a concert then. But then also, when you guys moved to Michigan mm-hmm. from, I remember
0: we came down because you went to school in Indiana,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. But when I was on tour with the Madison Scouts, the drum corps that I marched with, um, we had a regional in Indianapolis, and uh-huh. it, it, you guys were driving through Indianapolis, moving to Michigan, I think. Yeah, and you guys surprised me. Like at the school, like when I got up because I didn't think mom and dad were and You guys were there too. I remember
0: that because you guys were all weren't you all sleeping in like the gym? The gym or yeah, that's yeah. Because then do. I remember because your parents were there and you yeah. guys were like, "Hey, Keaton Carter, like go in there and like wake yeah. him up." Yeah. And I chickened out for some reason, but
1: well, it was a bunch of sleeping dudes on yeah, the floor. I mean, like I would have chickened out so. too. I'd <laughs> have been like, I don't want to do this. It's <laughs> this weird. Um. Uh, yeah. So you probably went to that show that night. I'm assuming. Yeah. Like probably. at the RCA Dome, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore, but that's where it was yeah. in downtown Indianapolis. But um. yeah so
0: and um. yeah shoot because then after that you graduated college
1: and then you just got what was your first job um, like well
0: trumpet job it took
1: a while after that so that was in 2004 right and then I student I went to I did my undergrad at IU for music education because I wanted to be a band director yep. band dork like I said Yep. but then when I was student teaching finishing up the degree for mm-hmm. the whole semester I was like I don't want to do this I don't want to be a band director and I was like you know, trumpet playing has been good for me, but, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't, like, focused on performing while I was in my undergrad at IU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to audition for grad schools. So I did that, and then I ended up going to grad school in Boston at New England Conservatory um, and graduated from there. And then Andrew and I basically lived in Boston for another two years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was teaching in Concord um carlisle which is a suburb outside of boston like i would drive out there a couple times a week and just keep private students like right. private trumpet lessons um i think i had like 12 students gotcha. so it was fine and then i worked at panera and then you know just the stupid starving artist thing and how old were you at this point um let's see here 26 25 26
0: so how long did you do the starving artist thing before you landed something two-ish years
1: okay Year and a half. Um, It was like a year and a half between when I graduated from grad school, and then I got offered the position in New World Symphony in Miami Beach. Gotcha. um, Which isn't really a job. I forgot. Yeah, you guys, you lived down in Miami Miami for for three years. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you hate it? Um, It was a great time living there, but Uh like, they provided housing, so like, the whole orchestra lived in the same building, which was great. Um, Gotcha. Um, It was like, it was like Andrew and I got to experience college together, like, but we were in our mid to late 20s.
0: That sounds like uh that sounds like it could have been a reality show. Like-
1: oh, it totally <laughs> it still could be. I mean, I feel like there was rumors when I was there that it was going to happen, like MTV <laughs> wanted to do some reality show on it, but like I don't I don't think they want to like mess funny. with that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's too sacred in a way, but right. uh, it's yeah. Yeah, so the New World Symphony is like called America's Orchestral Academy. Mm-hmm. So you can't be in school You have to have like finished at least an undergrad um, degree. It doesn't even have to be in performance necessarily. Yeah. But you audition for it and then, um, you know, you can only be in it for three years. Okay. Um, They give you a modest stipend. It's like $14,000 a year. Okay. It's nothing. Yeah. Um, And then provide housing, you know. Gotcha. So, and then you live, when we were there, they live in different housing now. But um, when we were there, we had two rooms the size of that living room. Wow. That's it. So, Andrew and I live basically in, like, two side-by-side, like, tiny studios. Um, so, it was, like, I mean, it was good experience to have and good to have on your resume, but it was,
0: like, that's yeah. basically all it was. It was this experience building, so that...
1: Yeah, it basically, like, it it operates like a full-time orchestra, because, okay. like, we do different concerts every weekend yeah. from September through May, usually, you know, at New World Symphony, and um, the nice thing about there is that they bring in coaches from professional orchestras like the principal trumpet of the cleveland orchestra the mm. principal trumpet of the philadelphia orchestra or
0: that's cool so you can actually do a little bit of networking too that way
1: absolutely like i've gotten since i've left there like i i met guys in the, all these other orchestras. like before covid um i subbed for two different stints with the philadelphia orchestra yeah and that's because of dave bilger who's their principal trumpet and i met him because he coached me at new world um i subsequently had played a couple gigs with him in steamboat springs colorado at the mm. summer festival that we played at Um, so we sort of reconnected like it's not like we stayed in touch but like right but i was playing at steamboat because of the principal trumpet of cleveland who runs that festival so he was just like hey you want to come play this festival and i was like of course i do um so it's like all this like sort of weird thing and i don't feel like i'm a dick you know (laughs) like so uh and i play the trumpet decently well so i think both of those things sort of work in my favor for networking, or you know, yeah. just like getting offered gigs like that, you right. know, what I mean,
0: it definitely helps being skilled.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, new world, new world was an amazing place, and I wouldn't like, you know, I went, I did two different degrees at India University and then New England Conservatory. Mm-hmm. Loved IU, NEC was fine. My teacher was amazing there, but like the school itself. Eh. But I feel like I have more. More draw to it sounds like I'm crying, but I was trying to suppress a burp. Just so no, the guys. He's weeping. He's weeping right <laughs> I'm now. I'm getting emotional talking about. It. No, I'm not. Um, but uh, I I feel like I'm more attached to New World Symphony in terms of like my alma like I treat it as an alma mater gotcha. more than my other schools mm. just because it was so formative in my trumpet playing sort of uh, trajectory. You know, like you right. just get thrown into the deep end there because it's you're just playing stuff all the time. The music, the music director, artistic director is Michael Tilson Thomas, who was the longtime music director of the San Francisco Symphony hmm. and also the London Symphony before he founded the New World Symphony. Um, and I I mean, I've, I even since I've been here, I got to sub in the San Francisco Symphony as Principal Trumpet nice. um, because of him. That's cool. Like this was like six years ago. But um, there is there was some point,
0: too, where you um, I know I remember asking you about this a while ago and like uh I remember you saying you didn't like it or something like that, but it was a, like YouTube had like a
1: temporary oh, YouTube like, symphony, yeah. YouTube Symphony yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that you was played in Australia. On.
0: Yeah, you went to Australia and played a concert. Yeah, I mean it
1: was good. It was re- a it was a fun international experience. Yeah. Um I remember uh did you have to get voted into it or yeah, something? So it was like this whole I mean, I guess it was, like, a social media thing. I remember, um, like,
0: I think no, my family didn't have Facebook yet, but I remember my mom being like, we got to vote for Travis
1: <laughs> to get in. Well, yeah, it was, like, all through YouTube. Yeah. So, like, if you had that link, you could, like, go watch my audition and, like, vote for it. And I remember we watched the uh, the concert.
0: I don't know if oh, they yeah. live-streamed it or what, but I remember yeah. watching it because I remember... I don't remember your part, but I remember uh, there was a a guy with a, a didgeridoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, like, tearing it up. It was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: that was an interesting... Because they basically, it was, like, all expenses paid... A trip to Sydney, Australia, where you basically go down there for like ten days. Mm -hmm. They we stayed at the the Four Seasons on Sydney Harbour. Like it was ridiculous. And then they gave us this like Visa card with like five hundred dollars on it. Oh my god! And then that's when I got my first smartphone. It was like a Google phone. Um, They gave 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 it to everybody. Yeah, it was because they wanted us to like post stuff, you know, right? Um, Promote YouTube. But uh, I mean, it was everybody was from all over the world. So it was, it was, it was. It was great. Like, it was a great experience. And, um, you know, the the trumpet players that were there, one was from Portugal. The other one is Mary Bowden. um, And she's actually this really great soloist now. And um, she's come through town a couple times, not to play with us, but, like, just to do some clinics. And Hmm. we've gotten together. So, like, I sort of keep in touch with them, um, which is nice. But uh, I was just like... I mean, it's a free trip to Australia. Right, Why of not? course. And, and Michael old? Tilson Thomas was yeah. doing it, so...
0: That's super cool. I mean, it sounds like a great opportunity. That's that's one of the parts of your career that I seem to remember. Not that I remember a ton of your... Or think about your career a lot. But <laughs> when I think of... Travis plays a triplet. Let's be
1: honest. You think about me all the oh, time. Oh, all the time, Just yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's been... Being a trumpet player has been nice uh just because I get to travel a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember if it was while we we're talking on this podcast or earlier, but like uh I think it was earlier. When I won the Utah Symphony job, yeah, while I was at New World, that was my 33rd like professional orchestra audition. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you think of any like big city, I've been there auditioning for their orchestra. Wow. Like Seattle, um I never went to Los Angeles. There was an opening when I was not I didn't have a job, but I decided not to go there. San Francisco, obviously. San Diego. Um, what's like if what's the
0: best one out there that you could get into? Like if like the best like your dream
1: orchestra. My to play. dream, my personal dream orchestra. Your personal dream orchestra. Um, it would either be Boston because I studied there, and my mentor is still the principal trumpet there, Tom Rolfs. He's mm. I was actually just talking him to him today. Um, but he's great. I mean he's like he's like probably dad's age. He's probably a little younger, but like sixties. Yeah, I would say he's been ageless in my mind. Like yeah. he's been always the same age. Yeah. Um, but I I honestly don't know. He's probably like young sixties. Gotcha. Maybe mid sixties at this point. I don't know. But um he's fantastic. Uh but he'll probably retire while I could win that job. But like it's the Boston Symphony, so like realistically. Is the Boston Symphony a pretty big wave? Yeah, they're it's like in the country, they're top five for wow. sure. Um, What's number one? I mean, it's subjective. Like we were talking about earlier. Like, okay, you can't so there's really not like a,
0: there's not an objective ranking system. Somewhere. No, I
1: mean you could look at salaries, but that that just depends on like the the cost of living and the, what the, what the city is. Like is
0: it is it because it's based? I mean, it is art. Music is art. So is it because like just art is subjective? So it's like it's just about your flavor of it. So one like critic may say like. This orchestra is the best, but then another one right. favors something else, so they're like yeah. this one's the best.
1: And that really has no bearing necessarily on like what the orchestra gets paid. It, right. What the orchestra gets paid because we're all nonprofit, so mm, uh, like I we're five hundred one c threes technically, okay. for tax reasons. Um. So most of our operating budgets for any orchestra in the country here in the United States uh, is based off of fundraising. So like private gotcha. donors, you know, that's really interesting. We'll have, we'll have corporate donations that come in but like it's all i mean like the budget for the utah symphony i think it's like 25 million dollars a year Mm -hmm. um and obviously some of that is revenue i think like 20 percent of that budget is made from revenue from ticket sales which is not much no it's not um but then you have like you know anonymous donors that give a million dollars here or there or whatever like Hmm. the the lds church the mormon church they i think they give a million dollars a year the state also gives us, because um, we do a lot of education outreach stuff, the, the symphony does here. Yeah, They give us like $2.4 million a year, which is a lot of public funding. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because we're so invested in education, like right. in terms of like playing in schools. Like because of that, where the Utah symphony, quote unquote, like we have to play in every school district in the state over the course of three years. Huh. Like every three years, we have to make sure that we're somehow in, like in the entire state. It's obviously not a big state, right? Like in terms of population. Yeah, it's a Um, lot of empty. But, you know.
0: That's really cool. I didn't realize that. First of all, I didn't know you guys were a nonprofit. Um, Yeah. But that's really cool how, like, it's all tied into the community and, like, educational with. Yeah. And music and stuff like that is super important, I think. Um, So, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you is because I realized this is a little bit more. Because you, you're throwing all these names like Mahler and all these people, which is fantastic. And that's like the true. I feel like so my generation, I think people in general now, we've just been so uh, with social media and stuff, you know, stuck into 15-second increments mm-hmm. and just our attention span.
1: Yeah, little snippets. Right. And yeah. uh,
0: that doesn't work with like orchestra and like classical music. Because if you go to a, uh, I don't know, a concert or whatever it's actually called, um, It's like, it can be hours.
1: It's a long game.
0: And it's just like one big, long piece of music. And it's wild and it's very impressive. Yeah. And I remember like the first time that I, so I was, uh, when I was going to community college, I took a music theory class because I didn't know what I was going to do. Sure. And uh, it was a stupid, stupid easy class. I'd already like learned all this stuff in piano. Uh, Easy A. Exactly. But um, my instructor was like, hey, you know, extra credit. He played the timpani in uh, an orchestra, and he was like, "We're playing at Andrews University. I'll get you a free ticket and come extra credit." And I was killing the class already, easy A. But I'm just like, always take extra credit. Plus, it kind of sounds like fun. So I'm like, "Hey, I'll take three tickets." Right. So we went, and I didn't have really expectations going into it. But I remember sitting there, I'm like, "We were, you know, it was like 45 minutes or whatever." And I'm like, "I really actually enjoy this." Oh, like awesome. this is this is weird, like because I didn't have any distractions. Yeah. Like if I had sat down at home and pulled it up on YouTube or something. Yeah. Even if I had like really good headphones with all like the, so it sounded like I was there. I'd probably not be there for the You'd whole be time. Distracted. But because I'm sitting in a room, it was it was it was really good, and that was the first time I'm like, as an adult, where I had like, come full circle and revisited classical music. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I actually like enjoy this.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean. It gets tedious sometimes. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Because, yeah. like, I mean, it really just depends on, like, what your flavor is, personally. Like, what you right. enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there the spectrum of classical music is quite broad, in yeah. my opinion. Like, you can find all kinds of stuff interesting, you yeah. know? Um, or different things interesting. But, there, in my opinion, there is boring classical music. Um, and there's stuff that I prefer not to listen to. But another person might think that's really amazing and right. love it, you know? So. Well, okay. Speaking of
0: areas where I've, uh, like, areas of your career that I've memorized, <laughs> you played with Hans Zimmer, like, yeah, and that's I like about that. that blows my mind because sure. he's scored like, so, like my favorite soundtracks to movies. You know, like Interstellar, to, Interstellar, How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, um, what else has he done? I know he's, he's he didn't all do all How
1: to Train Your Dragon. What? He didn't do. How to Wait, train who your did that?
0: One? Oh, that was Powell, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. Ah, dang it. <laughs> But no, no, he did. He did like The Dark Knight yes, and uh, yeah, yeah. all those. Hans Zimmer's uh, fantastic. He is. Um, have you listened to his uh
1: The Dune soundtrack yet? I started to, but I didn't think that you would really click with it. No, I mean I, I want to see the movie and right. I want to see the movie before I like like kind of like dive into the soundtrack. Yeah. Because I need context for it. Because I started listening to it and I was like That's usually this, the way it is. It.
0: That's how I kind of got into soundtracks. It's yeah. kind of like uh well, actually how I got into soundtracks was you ripping <laughs> burning those cds of all the music that yeah, you i stole like, from the internet yeah you like download and they just because i can't remember i think uh my mom told you that my brother and i had like listened to like some soundtrack right and you're like oh cool like i'll send i'll give him this cd i think we still have it somewhere yeah i think you're i think i saw them
1: at your your mom and dad's house yeah still and i don't know what songs were on there I think the Flight to Neverland was on there from mm-hmm. Hook. I remember yep, that. Yep. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, Who did that soundtrack? John Williams. Okay. The oh, best. my gosh. Yes. The goat. Uh-huh. He just as you youngins would say. Star,
0: <laughs> Star Wars and uh, yeah, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. I mean,
1: seriously. Uh, the Jurassic e- Park E-T. soundtrack
0: still gives me chills.
1: Oh, my gosh. Like that. So a little story. So Is somebody getting murdered outside? outside. I don't know. It's probably a homeless person. They're, they're around. Yeah. Um, we're safe up here on the third floor So don't worry uh, Your door's unlocked Oh, is that open still back then? I don't know it's- You didn't shut it? Whatever, it's fine I don't know um, Finn will protect us <laughs> He's sound asleep. Okay, what yeah, were you saying? I'm not worried about it um, So Jurassic Park came out in 1993 When I was 10 years old uh-huh. And that was the first time That like, a movie soundtrack like Really slapped me across the face yeah. And I was just like holy shit, this is ridiculous, you know, uh-huh. like, and it still does like it, like when I hear it, but like when I came out in 1983, um, I was like, I got to buy this soundtrack. So I bought the CD, the soundtrack, but yeah. it turns out that my family at that point, this was when CD players were like sort of new ish. I mean, they were new the in the eighties, but yeah. my family didn't have a CD player at all in the house. So I bought the CD and I was but like, there's, there's no way that. to listen to this. So I would take it with us when we would go to this uh, the mall. Like the city closest to the farm was called St. Cloud, and like there was there used to be these sort of like Best Buy, but it was like these audio stores. Yeah. Um, where they would have these like listening rooms with like surround sound speakers and like a nice like sort of stereo setup. Um, That's so, wild. I had no idea. Yeah, this place was called um, Audio King. Okay. And uh, so I I brought the CD in there a couple times and like go into this room and shut it and then put it in the CD player and just, like, turn the volume all the way up to 11 or whatever. I
0: wish they still had those. That sounds amazing.
1: It was ridiculous. And then finally, I think my parents obviously got a CD player. But, like, um, Jurassic Park is, I think, my favorite soundtrack. There's other soundtracks that John Williams has written that um, are as poignant to listen to. Like, the end of E.T., like, when he's saying goodbye, when Elliot saying goodbye to E.T., You've seen ET, right? It's been a long time. Okay. Um, I remember, yeah. It's amazing. Like it's just it has like hints of like Barber's Adagio for String, but then it's just I don't know. The the thing that I love about John Williams is that I feel like he sort of puts in a nutshell what's amazing about classical music. Mm. So for those of us with, like, a shorter attention span, it sort of, it like, it gives you tension and release much quicker right. than if you were listening to a Brahms symphony. Right. Because, like, a,
0: a good track, like, it takes you through, like, the whole, like, storytelling, you yeah. know, with conflict, exactly. resolution, everything. It takes you through that. Exactly. I kind of... So I, this analogy popped into my head while we were talking. It's like... Um, so if we're looking at music or classical music as, like, movies... Yeah. Um, Like, let me think. What's... Uh, I, what's like a long movie that's okay like um uh a classical uh music piece that you an orchestra plays that's actually like i don't know 20, like an hour and a half long like an hour and a half long like that's something like shawshank redemption or like a movie that's long also and a not, good soundtrack it's a great movie too it's, it's a honestly great movie. It's one, one, of one of my favorites, favorites. yeah i remember <laughs> By me a root beer <laughs> um I'm i remember totally. in your basement uh or in your room that you had a shawshank oh, had Redemption poster, yeah. poster there for a long yeah, yeah. time um, I threw that away. I, I watched it for the first time like uh, two years ago, and I'm Ever? like, "Ever? Holy crap! Yeah, I'm like, this. It blew my mind. It's That's an amazing, such movie. a good movie." But um, anyway, uh, um, where was I? Go? Oh yeah, so like uh, hour plus long orchestral piece. It's like Shawshank Redemption. It takes yeah. time. It's not always like thrilling, but it has its moments.
1: But it has a good like. It's, it's good. Complete. It's good development and like exposition and it just it, it it keeps you engaged. Right. Whereas like a
0: soundtrack where it's like, you know, a 3-minute song is like, I don't know, The Avengers or something like that. Like it's still really good, but it's compacted and there's a lot more speed yeah. and action whatever. And just to, to be it.
1: clear, I don't think the Avengers soundtrack is very good. That's Alan personally. Silvestri, right? Yeah. yeah. I love Alan Silvestri. Back actually, to the Future, great soundtrack. Um and he also wrote uh, the original Mummy score. Okay. Well, The Mummy Returns, the second movie, gotcha. and it's fantastic. I actually I kind of agree with you on that
0: because mm-hmm. when I was going through, uh, when I kind of kicked off my soundtrack nerdiness again mm-hmm. um, in my adult life, and I was compiling my Spotify playlist, I'm going through all the movies I can think of, sure, and I'm listening to you know the the Avengers soundtrack. And I'm kind of like this doesn't really, this doesn't really hit me, like it's like, just epic and like un- I I will say it hits me different now because I don't know if you watched the entire MCU as it came out. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I've seen all the Avengers. Did you see the Infinity and Endgame movies? So, like, Graham and I were talking about this when it came out. Um, For me, personally, I consider, like, when Endgame came out, don't judge me for this, the greatest event in cinematic history. And I don't mean that it's the best movie. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like, they spent, you know, 10 years building this movie universe. And then it culminates and, like, Infinity War, where, you know, everybody dies, basically, yeah. and then Endgame, like, there needs to be this resolution, but you don't know what's going to happen, because yeah. they kind of broke the rules in the first one. Yeah. Um, and just the musical themes that they used in that one, so, like, when, uh, at the very end, when Captain America grabs the hammer and goes, Avengers assemble, finally. Yeah. And they bring in the original Avengers, like, right. score into it. So, now, that score, like... It means more, so it hits me different now. Yeah, but yeah, I generally I agree with you that the Avenger soundtrack isn't. I mean, it's fine. I think
1: it's it's finely written. I just think it's a little like, to, to me, and I don't mean this in an offensive way, but I think it's a little like cheap sounding. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I would have loved to hear somebody like John Williams. Like mm-hmm. that would have been incredible. What John Williams is really amazing at doing is there's this there's this musical technique that was created by Wagner, R- Richard Wagner. He wrote like the Ring Cycle, all these operas in like mid 1800s. Okay, um, it's a technique called uh, light motives, and so basically, in a Wagner opera, Wagner operas can be like five hours long, mm-hmm. but like every time that there's a specific character on stage during the opera, there their sort of motive is happening in the pit orchestra. Gotcha. John Williams does that in like Star Wars. He does that in Harry Potter, which he wrote, you know, bum 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 Yep. I mean that's Hedwig's theme. So like every oh, time gotcha. that Hed- Hedwig is on the screen when John Williams was writing the score, because he just did the three first three, um he used that theme. You know what I mean? Mm. So like that to me is genius mm. writing. Like that's that's like that's pulling a listener in without them even realizing it. And mm-hmm. like they, like the average generic listener moviegoer isn't, isn't picking up on that necessarily.
0: Right. It's a subconscious. Yes. Like, it's adding to the story yes. without even realizing it.
1: But then once you like actually sit down and listen to the music, you're just like, holy shit, this, these themes actually exist throughout this, this whole, you know, saga. Yeah. Saga. 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 That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, Star Wars, Uh obviously. Like, tons of them.
0: Did you... Because John Williams did the last three movies, too, didn't he? For Star Wars? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he did all of them. But, yeah, he did the three previous ones. I have never... So, How to Train Your Dragon blew me out of the water. Uh Um, I remember one of the CDs uh, that you gave Keaton and I had Test Flight on it, which is, like, the most hyped song. It's an amazing song. Um, And it is great. Like, when you think about, like, songs that... Um, you know take you through a journey like story tells all on its own yeah
1: I'm gonna let this guy pass there's a hospital right down the street
0: gotcha shout out to the ambulance um, like so like that that song was probably top of my list yeah but then when they so the last Star Wars movie that came out I think Um, so it goes uh, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi what was the third one a uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. So I don't know if you remember that uh, the trailer that came out.
1: Yes, Tara was obsessed with it.
0: That was that soundtrack. That song, I think, is like at the t- it blew my mind. Like I this, mean, this yeah. is the most for me. Right. Like, no, i this it. is the most hype, and like the You're way it? they paired it with the clips and stuff. The movie kind of sucked. I didn't like the movie. I mean, it was fine. It was entertaining. It wasn't like, but as far as Star Wars goes, it could have been better. Totally. But All three of those could have been. That's yes. Yeah. But that that song, that trailer, that blew my mind. And
1: the funny thing is, is like so, uh, in those situations, like the usually the the music that they use in the trailer isn't written by who the composer is. Really? So like they're using themes that John Williams wrote. So it was it wasn't John Williams. He didn't write it. Wh- who was it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who it was. It could have been a staff writer that he has on his team or just some.
0: Because that was Job the really Will. frustrating part is I couldn't find that Ask song. Tara.
1: Well, I, I did
0: find... Oh, you did? Okay. I found a version of it later. So there's this guy on Spotify, uh, Samuel Kim. Okay. But I think it breaks my heart a little bit. But I think because he used to be a K-pop person, he's like from Korea. Mm-hmm. I think he does everything electronically. Right. Um,
1: well, that's... So when I saw that trailer, Tara's like, you have to listen to this. Because like my sister and I, yeah, she likes soundtracks as much as I do. She's just like, we as sort big of, nerd of a nerd out. Yeah. 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 Um, so we'll share stuff like that with each other sometimes, and she she sent that to me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's good." And she's like, "That's all." And I was just like, "I mean, yeah." She's like, "Well, what do you think about the music?" And I was like, "I mean, it's fine. It just sounds like it's produced, like overly produced right. to me." Yeah, I get the epicness of it and like the the use of all these light motives. That exactly what I was talking about. Like mm-hmm. it's just layered into this, and it works perfectly with how the 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 trailer was cut, and it did its job excellently. Right. Um, I'm just being a snob.
0: Well, that's fine. I mean, if anybody <laughs> could be a snob, it's you. You you play. I mean, I hate to be that trumpet. person. I hate no, to be that person. Somebody has to be that person. There's
1: like there's there's a lick in that trailer where the trumpet just goes to like I super remember. high, yep. and that's the thing that sort of turned me off. I was just yeah. like, that's just terrible writing. Right. Like, and I don't even know if it's real in that. Like yeah. when the texture is that thick, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all studio stuff. So like, it could just be one trumpet laying down their track, and then they'll just put it into the thing. Right. Into the actual mix, but like because I've done a lot of studio work and so mm-hmm. I know how it works but like um I was just like it almost sounds like it's produced and like fake mm-hmm. in a way like it's perfectly in tune and like right there's a there's there's a way to do like high trumpet writing mhm to where it's like achievable and sounds hard, but sounds amazing at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that wasn't it for me, for me personally. Yeah. And I don't want to ran your pride. No, I think you're it's, not. Great. It's, no, it's great. it's actually funny. It. It. So I when I
0: finally found, so the, the trailer came out, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is amazing. The movie comes out, disappoints me. The soundtrack comes out. It's not on the soundtrack. Right. I'm super bummed. And then like, I stumble upon it later by the Samuel Kim guy on Spotify. And, uh, I share it to my instagram story i'm like holy crap guys i found mm-hmm. it and then i think tara commented on it because she had like i shown you the same track yeah, or something yeah. she was looking for it and too. She, she told me uh what you said about that high trumpet part <laughs> and i'm just kind of like uh, that kind of bums me out but at yeah. the same time i still really like the song i mean it's good yeah well That's i mean good. you're not raining on my parade it's good. good point good. Yeah, keep what, liking what, it what really blew my mind there's this youtube video that i stumbled across so that soundtrack Best soundtrack I've been, like, not best soundtrack, most hype song like orchestral, whatever you want to call it yeah. that I've heard, in um, a trailer, in a trailer. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess maybe in a movie too. I don't know, but it was like it, it was high on my list at the time. Yeah. The movie disappointed me though, and at the time, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was my favorite like movies. Ah. Uh. So somebody made this was after end game came out Uh so they made a trailer for the entire uh, it's called the infinity saga which is all the way from iron man one all the way through so all the movies that came out in that 10-year block there's a ton so they made a trailer for the entire infinity saga (laughs) to that song oh really from the
1: star wars trailer (laughs) and it i mean was it the best you'll have to share that with me yeah i will
0: it was the best that's awesome it, it cuts perfectly and it hits me different because i'm more connected to the mcu than i am to star wars sure that's fine yeah honestly
1: so. i'm not a huge fan of star wars i like star wars and i get it it's like, classic yeah it's classic and like um i mean i think the first three like episodes four five and six oh definitely the og definitely classic yeah. mm-hmm. but i think there there's merit to good merit to like you know episodes one two and three and uh seven, eight, and nine. like yeah i think they're all fine and entertaining yeah. Which, at the end of the day, why else do you go to a movie other than just to be entertained? You know, right. so exactly. I think it achieves that goal at the very least, which is nice. Um, But last week we just we're doing movies in concert now, so like we're performing the soundtrack with concerts. We're, we're with the movies. Oh, that's super cool. Um Oh, you did because you did. Dang it, that's what I missed. We did Return of the you Jedi last week. You weren't just playing the soundtrack; you were playing it with the movie, with the movie playing behind. Ah, it. so we were like the, the the live soundtrack with the movie. That's cool. Um, we were supposed to do How to Train Your Dragon um, April of 2020, but then COVID happened, right? Which sucked because I was just like, oh, "That's like that's one of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah. This yeah. is great." But anyway, so last week when we did Return of the Jedi, um, I had I've done A New Hope and we did uh, Empire Strikes Back, but I uh, it, this was in September of ne- uh, 2019, mm-hmm. and I took that week off just to visit Andrea in New York, so right. I didn't play that one, um, but. Judging off of A New Hope and playing all of these like John Williams in concert or whatever, like we do stuff for the orchestra without movies, you know, so I've played a ton of his music. There was something about Return of the Jedi where it was like, it wasn't written as idiomatically for the trumpet. Like it was, okay. it, was it was just slightly too high mm. to make it really successful. Hmm. And it pissed me off last week. I was just like. <laughs> and you didn't you didn't feel set up for success no i mean it was it was a slog of a week for sure we Mm -hmm. had three different programs throughout the whole week and it was our first week back after three weeks of vacation so it was just like (laughs) pardon my french but it was a shit show (laughs) um but uh so like typically you know john williams like especially in the action stuff during star wars it's like high trumpet stuff like or just yeah. like high loud tonguing stuff right um really percussive but like this was like just stupid high like i would have had to use like a smaller trumpet and i've never had to do that on other scores by john williams uh uh-huh. um, and i remember when i was in college that one of my roommates one of the years i was in college he was kind of a soundtrack nerd also and he had said something about like Return of the Jedi not having been completely written by John John Williams, even though his name is credited. Um, and so I like started reading about it after last weekend, and I was I couldn't find anything on whether or not he actually wrote it. But I was like, how does John Williams actually write right. the score? You know? Yeah. And I mean, he's very old-fashioned, and like he sits at the piano and like writes it out by hand. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. do anything on the computer. But I think what he does is he sketches out stuff. Like, he'll sketch out, the th- like, themes mm. and then, like, certain, like, rhythmic stuff that he wants. And then he gives it to his staff writers. Interesting. Um, and then he'll, like, obviously, like, oversee what they're doing and make sure it's has John he, Williams. Has he always done it that way?
0: I mean, I think... Because he's ancient now. Yeah. He's, like, in his 80s. Like he's almost 80s. 90. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, he kind of has to do it that way now. Yeah, because I
1: think he's so busy. I think it started to get that way. But I think probably, like, Return of the Jedi, it was probably, like, one of those movies where he sketched out stuff and he was just, like... It was the third. It was the third Star Wars movie, right. and just like with Harry Potter, obviously there's eight Harry Potter movies, and John Williams only wrote the first three. So mm-hmm. he's probably like, I don't want to do that shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like, just move on. Like, use somebody else. So he's probably feeling that same way about Star Wars then. Yeah. And he's like, I'll write out all this stuff, and then my staff writers can just do it. I'm still gonna put my name on it, and that's why I think it was like, just like on the threshold of being impossible. Hmm. And, uh, um. It just was really uh, unrewarding, sadly.
0: I mean, maybe John Williams was, like, dating a trumpet player at the time who broke his heart, and then he's just like, screw all trumpet players.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, or some trumpet player, like, pissed him off. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Sadly, that's not the case, because I know that, like, all those early soundtracks all the way through, like far and away, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie with Tom Cruise and yep. Nicole Kerman? Yep, yep, yep. John that was Mood. one of
0: the songs on the. Oh, probably I think. That yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but uh, he wrote that soundtrack, obviously, and uh, the London Symphony Orchestra would always record those soundtracks because it was really cheap to record movie soundtracks over there, like do right. studio sessions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cheaper than in LA, I guess. Um, so. On all those like Star Wars recordings and all those like E. T., you name it, uh Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm-hmm. all those great John Williams soundtracks. Um, it's the principal trumpet player of the London Symphony Orchestra, Maurice Murphy. He's mm-hmm. not alive anymore, but he's like the John Williams sound. Like when you hear Star Wars, like yeah. the original soundtrack, that's him. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It's pretty gotcha. it's pretty incredible. Like this guy, you know. Um, so I don't think he hated trumpet players. Okay. I think it was just his okay. staff writers that wrote poorly i
0: for, <laughs> i forgot too john williams i mean he, he's done like all the classics he did uh um indiana jones yeah uh i've done
1: that with the movie also the first one that's super cool raiders of the Lost Ark. it's technically not called indiana jones
0: that's true it's just raiders at yeah. the time yeah
1: that was a uh, great great
0: score dang he did so much i'm just scrolling his stuff on spotify uh, um, have you
1: seen Saving Private Ryan? Surely. Oh you've yeah seen yeah yeah. He wrote the music for that. That's a That's good one of my favorite too. scores by him. That is a really cuz it's really good. poignant and like introspective. Um, and that's oh, actually the Boston Symphony recording it. So oh, when cool. you listen to it, there's a bunch of like trumpet duet like sort of like um ethereal kind of like solos. Mm-hmm. Um and that's Tim Morrison mm. who used to play in the Boston Symphony and my teacher Tom Rawls.
0: Gotcha. I think you're definitely right that there's something about um like you need context like you haven't listened to the Dune soundtrack yet because you want to see the movie first. Yeah, um,
1: I don't want to like ruin the soundtrack. Right, I don't no, want to like come up with my own story. You I, know, yeah, I get it. Yeah,
0: because then you'll just let yourself I mean, I down, probably. yeah, I
1: have done that in the past, yeah. and it's not regrettable. It's just like oh, I wish I would have waited. You know, but
0: like Saving Private Ryan, I think is one of those because like. I think I tried listening to it when I was first getting into John Williams, mm-hmm. but I hadn't seen the movie yet. I'm like, this is boring. There's no context, right? But once you like watch the movie and you understand the character development and the tragedy of the story, you have a connection to it, exactly. Yeah, and that's just like it's a super interesting thing that I think most people. There's a lot of empathy that happens with list people who listen to soundtracks because you have to empathize with the story, totally, and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people they don't take the time to do that, right? Um, it's just it's super interesting.
1: I I mean. But, full circle, taking this back to just like classical music, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't play trumpet today, um, well, first of all, if it wasn't my dad allowing, if he, if it wasn't for him not allowing me to play flute. But, aside from that, John Williams is like a huge reason why yeah. I'm a trumpet player, and like why I feel like I have a passion, and like I have That's a cool. sound in my own head, and like what I want to sound like, mm-hmm. whether it's Tom Rolfe's or Maurice Murphy, um, like all these guys in these soundtracks, but um, it's you know i think classical music has all of that to offer and then some mm-hmm. you know it just takes a little of like patience to like explore some class- classical music yeah um and it could be anything it could be like baroque stuff it could be like classical era it could be romantic it uh-huh. could be contemporary stuff i don't care i think there's the, stuff out there i
0: think the thing that kind of may trip some people up kind of myself included is like we don't really know where to start with it
1: yeah it's overwhelming yeah and it's
0: like if you go on spotify and type in classical music then you're going to get like a playlist of like and it's
1: usually just generic shit and and,
0: i mean you you don't yeah i mean you don't know if it's good or not you it it may not be your flavor like you're saying yeah so it's like how do you find like what flavor you like like i don't know name like three different like uh, composers that you could start off with that aren't similar to each other that maybe represent like I don't know a few like the basic like flavors of it that you're talking about. You want about. three different composers?
1: Sure. Yeah. Hit me with three. Bach. Okay. I think yep. Bach is. I mean, it's cliche, but I think Bach was a genius and mm. his his music is just mind blowing because it's all it can sound mechanical, but like the composition style that he used and just created basically like modern composition is the way it is today because of Bach. Mm. Um, and I think listening in his his sort of like repertoire that he wrote is super deep like there's all kinds of stuff there's solo piano there's like violin solos there's partitas like there's symphonies and like orchestral suites it's all it's a different sound than like contemporary stuff is now but like the how the orchestra sounds hmm. but it's really good specifically um you should listen to the there's this piece that he wrote for piano well it's for the cl- clavier then, but, um, or even harpsichord, mm-hmm. depending on, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, it's played on piano now, but it's the Goldberg variations. Okay. And it, it basically starts off with this aria just on piano and it's like three minutes long mm-hmm. and then it's like 50 minutes of like different variations on that theme. Um, wow. when we're done with this podcast, we'll like sit out on the porch and I'll play a little bit. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, sweet. Um, that's really good. So Bach, I would say definitely listen to, um, I mean I'm just going to say Mahler. I think Mahler is like You bring Mah- Mahler up a lot. Mahler yeah. is if 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 you f- if you give yourself the patience to sit down and like get to know his music. Mm-hmm. He has 9 symphonies plus some like German Leader that he wrote um that's like vocal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh it's deep and it's it can really like Rock you to the core, mm. you know, like, and you don't even have to know what he was writing about, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think if you just give it a chance and let it develop and like listen to it and then like understand like where it's going or like where it's arrived and like, like the end of his second symphony, it's called the Resurrection Symphony. Um, like, there's this full chorus that's singing with this huge orchestra for like the last four minutes, and it's yeah. just, um, it's like the universe is like opening up above you or the heaven, heaven is opening up and mm-hmm. like, it's just so glorious. And like um, it's like one of the best musical moments that exists that's ever been written in my opinion. Mm. Um, and, but there are moments in every single Mahler symphony, multiple moments, even in Mahler two other moments that I feel like are some of the best musical moments that have ever been written. Mm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can't I can't speak highly enough of Mahler's music. Like his nine symphonies are just transformative. Okay. They can be, you okay. know, um, you know. Find there's the San Francisco Symphony recorded um, all nine of them. Like I think they started in like 2001, all the way through 2008. Gotcha. Um, and they're some of the best recordings of them. So okay. if you're listening to this, find the San Francisco recordings with Michael Tilson Thomas uh, reco- uh, conducting them. Cool. Um, Third composer, I'm just going to go for a guy that's still alive. His name is John Adams. Okay. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah. I probably have played some stuff for you by him, but he's written some operas. He wrote this amazing opera about the development of the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Dr. Atomic. And it's... I think I remember you playing that for it's me. It's ridiculous. It's really good. And I've wanted to see that opera so badly. And he actually condensed it down into a symphonic poem mm-hmm. called... Dr. Atomic Symphony I've never played it I've played excerpts from it For auditions and stuff But Mm -hmm. like I've listened to it And it's just Beautiful But Mm -hmm. like also Crazy hectic So John Adams is uh, A minimalistic composer So like He's really repetitive Okay But also It's not repetitive like Philip Glass Who's also another Minimalistic composer Who I love Um, He wrote the score Soundtrack to um, The movie called The Hours Okay It's from like 2001 but he also wrote the score to The Truman Show, um, the one with Jim Carrey. Yep. It's very repetitive, like Philip Glass stuff is. But it's also minimalistic. So it's under the same umbrella. But John Adams, I feel like is more, he uses denser chord structures and like um, harmonies throughout it. Um, it's just really mm-hmm. fantastic music. So Dr. Atomic Symphony, look at that. He wrote this opera called Nixon in China. Um, and it's a, it sounds so boring. But it's about Nixon when he went to China. It's about that trip. So interesting. But uh, huh. I found it online last year during COVID because the Metropolitan Opera from New York was just like streaming stuff in their rolodex, and I was just like blown away. I've listened to that opera like through so many times on Spotify, and it's just so good. The music is just ridiculous. There's the moments where it like gets so sonorous and just like like he changes keys all of a sudden, and it's just like. Holy shit! I didn't even know he was going there, and now he's there, and it's just like, and it's like accessible. It's not, right. it's not like new music that uh, one of my colleagues calls it uh, "fart squeak" music, where it's just like I can't, and that exists too, obviously. And I yeah. don't, I don't per- personally like that music. People do, but I don't. But uh-huh. like John Adams' music isn't like that. Okay. There's this really famous piece that first turned me on to him. It's called "Short Ride in a Fast Machine." It's only four minutes long. It's just for orchestra. You've probably heard it. I have heard that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah um it basically just starts uh, there's a wood block so a wood block just like that's about the tempo and it does that throughout the whole four minutes right so it stays in that tempo Mm -hmm. um but it just it's like the trumpet part is just it's just it's it's kind of tiring but it's a really really neat piece to listen to yeah it's so. it's
0: it's wild, like just being exposed to as much of the trumpet as I have from you, and watching somebody actually play it. Like you really start appreciating how much like there is with your muscles and and lungs sure. and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap up, yeah. I realized we've talked about all these soundtracks, but we didn't bring up. I mean, you almost played the flute. So, <laughs> like, what do you think of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack with Howard Shore?
1: I mean, I think it's good. I I think it's an epic classic at this point because it's right. been so long since like, twenty years ago yeah. the first one came out. I think it's a great soundtrack. Okay. Um, You know, I mean, I think, I think he like, he buys into that light motive thing that I was talking about that John Williams used and Wagner used back in the 1800s and like to an extent, but I think it, it, I think it works really well for Lord of the Rings, personally.
0: Yeah, I I feel like that's one of the ones that kind of needs that context that you're talking about. Yes. Like, it really helps, because it's such an emotional story, and then... Because it's not... I remember learning that one on piano. That was my jam. (laughs) I remember remember playing that one at... uh, I think it was probably, like, the last recital I did. Nice. But, yeah, that was good.
1: Um, No, I mean, it's it's good. Okay. That's not one of those soundtracks that I'll, like... Occasionally, I'll turn it on, but it'll be, like, the extended soundtrack version of uh uh what's the last movie called the twin towers
0: uh uh return of the king is the last one (laughs) the middle one is
1: two towers two towers that's right (laughs) sorry i sound like i'm such a noob um yeah so the last one return of the king that i think that's great because they actually bring in renee fleming and she sings Mm -hmm. on it um she's this famous opera singer She's actually saying here before. Wow. Um, she's amazing. But she's on it. And then James Galloway, he's a flute player. Mm-hmm. Speaking of flute, yeah, that's um, <laughs> you know, he's he sounds really fantastic on it. But um speaking of Renee Fleming, there's this piece when she was here, she she did like this gala for the symphony here. Mm-hmm. And her fee is like a hundred thousand dollars for one concert. Holy it's ridiculous. Crap. Talk about Diva. She's amazing though. Like I've worked with her a couple times. Um, and she's very approachable and just sounds mm-hmm. like Heaven, you know what I mean? She wow. sounds so good, yeah. But there's this piece she performed, it's by um Richard Strauss and it's called uh Four Last Songs. And it's basically like it's uh Strauss used these four poems, I forget who the who the author was of the poems, but they're about, about death. Um, but the music is just sublime. It's like I don't know, it's probably like a 20 minute piece, four different movements, and there's no fast music at all, it's just like We'll listen to that on the deck too, because it's just, it's, to me, it's like elevating music. And I sound pretentious when I say that. Not elevator music, but elevating. Like it'll, it. I think it it brings your subconscious to a different level in a way, where you can sort of detach, and it's almost like you're watching a movie, but it's in your own head, and you're experiencing Mm, this oral thing that's coming in through your ears, and you're creating this own your own story to whatever it is that you're listening to. But that one particularly. Especially if you, if you if you look up the uh, the corresponding lyrics translated in, from German into English because mm-hmm. I don't know German um, to like follow along and right. like think about those words as she's singing this it's mm. just it's sublime that's super cool I think that's
0: that's one of the that's one of the reasons I'm into soundtracks is like what you're saying where it's like you're experiencing like your own movie in your own head yeah and it's just yeah. And, and classical music is really good for that in general. And some people, I think they may not want to do that because maybe, you know, the movie that starts playing in their head they think is too corny or something. But, you know, if you're one of those people, like, you're the only one in your head, so <laughs>
1: screw it. It's funny because, like, I don't... You know, Andrea often asks me, she's like, well, what are you thinking about when you're playing that? If I'm, like, playing excerpts for her, if I'm preparing for an audition, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, I don't think I have... I think I'm more, like, abstract thoughts or, like, feelings rather mm-hmm. than, like, an actual, like scene playing out right in my head
0: i used to um did you, you saw uh, man of steel right the newer Yeah, i loved that movie yeah great soundtrack hans simmer yep. yep uh so the the scene where he flies for the first time yes um like whenever like that one whenever i hear that one i would imagine you know myself in that situation right. for the first time like yeah this, like if you flew for the first time that
1: that score is perfect for that movie mm-hmm. honestly it, like yeah. it embodies all these feelings that you know Clark Kent is feeling for the first time right. and then he realizes he's Superman and just like yep. him losing his dad you know Kevin Costner and yeah. like it's just it's great I need to re-listen yeah
0: they kind of botched the DC universe after that movie did you
1: watch did you watch the the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League? I actually thought it was pretty good it was it was definitely better yeah I didn't watch the first one yeah but.
0: it was it was better than the first one it was darker and there was yeah they forced too much humor into the
1: into the sure. first cut that's what I heard. did you see the new Suicide Squad I did oh, okay did you like it? I thought it was really funny. I, I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I thought, I don't know. I'm sort of like over the whole like comic book trope right now. I just yeah. feel like the whole market it. is saturated it with is. whether it's DC, Marvel, or mm-hmm. some offshoot of that you know and they
0: were i think they were trying to do something a little bit different and they yeah. kind of did i think also like the mood i was in that day and the person i went to see it with sure. everything was right when yeah. i saw it so i really vibed with it i don't know if i'll watch it again
1: yeah it's it wouldn't be rewatchable for me yeah there's a really good podcast called the rewatchables have you ever w- listened i've it? heard of it but no yeah. i haven't watched it tara I and i listen. listen to it a lot it's fantastic okay cool it's the guys they got they approach it as if like you know, if they're just like walking walking by their TV and cables on, and like there's a movie on, if like Shawshank Redemption. That's a rewatchable movie. Like Absolutely. you could just like start anywhere in the movie and just rewatch it. Yeah. But they have all these categories. It's great. That's you really should cool. listen to it. On right. your drive.
0: I will. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, Travis. <laughs> of uh, course. I will.
1: Uh, <laughs> Rambling and all over the place. That's
0: exactly what this podcast okay. is. but I credit you in large part for uh, like as being a big influence in why I'm into the kind of music I'm into now so thank you for opening my world to that you're welcome ripping those songs (laughs) off of (laughs) LimeWire
1: stealing them from the internet yes thank you okay yeah no problem cool this was fun yeah